What's going on, guys? In this podcast today, I'm going to discuss the top or perceived top quarterbacks in the draft, or at least my top four or five guys, and where I think amongst realistic landing spots, where I think they would fit best and why. And before I get into that, though, I I want to talk about the whole 49ers like trading up for Mac Jones and all this crazy stuff. So when it first happened, right, when the trade was first announced, basically everybody came to the assumption, including myself, that it was for Trey Lance, okay? Then we've kind of backtracked on that. Like Chris Sims came out, and to credit to Chris Sims, once again, standing on his own two feet and saying something that he believes, it kind of has caught wildfire now to the point where Daniel Jeremiah was basically quoted or was on somebody's podcast or something, and, and he was basically under the impression that he what, what Jeremiah said was, everyone that I'm talking to that may know about this situation seems to think that they're trading up for Mac Jones, right? And Daniel Jeremiah also added that he was surprised that that was going to be the case, right? So this all sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not, I'm not buying it. Okay. First and foremost, Kyle Shanahan lost in the Super Bowl championship in 2019 season, right? At the, at the end of the 2019 season, he lost to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. He lost to brilliant play caller with elite trait uh, quarterback, right? He, to an elite quarterback and a brilliant play caller. He, the last couple of years, has had a banged-up Jimmy Garoppolo, and even before that, he was you know, not necessarily winning on the right arm of Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs. He had to run the whole, ball a whole bunch. Don't you think Kyle Shanahan wants to unleash what Kyle Shanahan's offense could really look like if you've got a truly elite guy back there you know, uh, dropping the balls where they're supposed to go, throwing the football around? and running the football at an elite level because that's what Trey Lance can do. When I look at it, man, I think about two things, right? I think, number one, why would Kyle Shanahan want to tip his hand as to who he's taking, right? He's not. He doesn't even know for a fact if that guy will be there. Now, if they're going up to get Mac Jones, if that's the plan, well, there's a very good chance Mac Jones will be there. There's a, actually a, almost a guarantee that Mac Jones will be there at three, Okay, there's I would say we pretty much know I I watched a little bit of the I can't remember his name. Peter King interview with um, the Urban Meyer Jaguars coach. I'm drawing blanks right now, but Urban Meyer was interviewed by Peter King. I believe it was last night. And basically, Urban Meyer all but admitted that they're taking Trevor Lawrence. Okay, so now I'm willing to comfortably say that's basically a fact, right? That Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence. At one point in the interview, Urban Meyer said, he said something about how he could hear the ball come off of a certain quarterback's hand, like the elite level quarterbacks. And he told Peter King, yeah, when you come down here after we have Trevor, he didn't say it in those words, but he said, I'll let you hear how it comes off his hand in August, like, you know, when he's on our team. So what, what I gather from that is that he, they're taking Trevor Lawrence, which is fine. We all expected that. Number two overall is the only one that we're like, hmm, you know, but with the pro day and, and you know, just kind of like the realization, everybody's kind of getting around to the tape, I call that. There's always those kind of times where you see more and more people getting around to the Zach Wilson tape and they say, hey, this guy's really good. Chris Sims came out and it seems like Sims is so polarizing that 
you know, when he comes out and has Zach Wilson as his top quarterback, now all these people are like on the Zach Wilson train. So as as much as people say that they hate Chris Sims or don't respect his analysis, he's really a dude that that has, in my opinion, a big impact on um, quarterbacks and in, in how they're perceived by by, you know, regular fans, because Chris Sims track record as of late, from what I understand, has been really good. So. Um, in terms of quarterbacks, at least. So like when you look at that and you see that he's saying things differently and then you see how angry other analysts get about it. It's so funny because the analysts, they get angry about that. The reason that they're angry in large part is because they don't have the balls to come out and say who they think is the best if it's different than the rest. Right. Chris Sims has the balls to do it. So I have nothing but respect for Sims. Obviously, he doesn't like Trey Lance at all. I think he's like his QB six or five or something. And um, Lance is my number one quarterback, but I'm totally comfortable in disagreeing with that, right? It's not a big deal. I'm not angry at him. And, um, you know, so anyways, last year, Sims like Justin Herbert. I obviously like Justin Herbert as well. So there are there's reason to look at Chris Sims' credentials as a um, as a scout, basically, and say he knows what he's talking about to some level, right? I mean, he played quarterback in the NFL, so he's not an idiot. And in this case... I really think that Chris Sims has sparked this fire of Mac Jones is who Kyle Shanahan's trading for. And I think that the reason for that is simply because people in the NFL, people in NFL circles know that Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan are very good friends. What does that mean? That means for Sims to come out and say he's going up for, for Mac Jones, it would be very easy for people in the NFL to take that as Shanahan told Sims something, but I don't think Shanahan would tell Sims his plan. I think Sims likes Mac Jones. And if Sims were in Shanahan's position, the guy he would be trading up for is Mac Jones, right? Because that's how his rankings have told us. So I think that that could have a heavy, heavy influence on what's going on right now. And I also think that Kyle Shanahan could secretly be loving it because he's sitting there like, hey, man, this is kind of perfect because we don't want to necessarily tip our hand, not because they're going to move down or anything, but just because that way, if people think they're going after Mac Jones, maybe they'll think they can, you know, they won't be inclined to whoever's at four or five is not going to try and jump ahead of them, whatever, you know, just for whatever crazy thing could potentially happen that's obviously not likely to happen, it kind of secures them getting that third spot, right? If, they, if they're pretty comfortable that the Jets are going Zach Wilson and the Jaguars are going um, Trevor Lawrence, then they don't really have anything to worry about in terms of like getting whoever it is they want if one of those guys obviously is Mac Jones and or Trey Lance. So for me, I look at it, guys, and I just think elite traits. You put elite traits like Trey Lance has with Kyle Shanahan, with guys that are yak monsters and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, you put all that together with Kyle Shanahan's play calling and the run game and a great offensive line. Now you're going to have yourself one hell of an offensive stop. And I think that this makes the most sense when it comes to them keeping Jimmy Garoppolo for a year. Why are they like Mac Jones is, you know, I know him and Trey Lance have basically equal, um, amount of reps in college. I think Mac has a little bit more, but the point I'm making is, you know, the perception around Trey Lance is that maybe he needs some time, right? He's super young. His only season as a full starter at North Dakota State, he was only 19 years old, 
right? Last year only played one game. There's reason to believe that he might need some time simply because he hasn't played football in a long time. And if you're of the belief that many are, that Trey Lance isn't ready to play as a rookie, then it makes all the sense in the world to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Now, if, and this is the other part of that, if the 49ers feel like they're being offered something substantial, which Shanahan even said today in his press conference, like basically as long as the offers don't blow us away, we're keeping Jimmy this year. So if you want to come out and you want to offer us a first round pick, well, well, yeah, we'll give you Jimmy. If you want to offer us a second rounder, you know, maybe we'll give you Jimmy. But otherwise, we're going to stay, of course, and keep Garoppolo because even if like for whatever reason, you know, um, Jimmy's playing, that's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's a solid quarterback. So if Trey Lance isn't ready to play or whatever, for whatever reason, he's not in the field, we've still got Jimmy. We're a, we're a championship caliber team with Jimmy Garoppolo, as we showed a couple of years ago when we were literally in the Super Bowl up by 10 with like 10 minutes to go or whatever it was. So, you know, I think it, it, they have much reason to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for a year, even if they obviously they're going to take quarterback, but even if they are um, going to draft one, which they've already said they are, they're, they have reason to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think that this makes, um, you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're taking Mac Jones. I mean, we obviously have to see who's still, who's, who's available at three, but I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're taking Mac Jones. I have come around to the possibility that they like more than one guy. I was just thinking about it. And if it were ever to happen, which it does not ever happen, right? Typically, generally speaking, Teams love one specific player. When they move up to make this kind of a trade, they do it because they they want one guy and that's who they're willing to, to draft with that capital, right? In the event that, you know, let's say they did it hoping they get Zach Wilson and or Trey Lance. Like, you know, I think that makes sense, right? Like if that were, let's say they have Zach Wilson as their QB2 and or whatever and Lance is QB3. I think in this draft, particularly because it's so strong at the top of the quarterback rankings here in this in this year's crop at quarterbacks, I think it makes sense for them to potentially like more than one guy at the quarterback position. I mean, I know I personally would, right? It sounds like other analysts would as well. And, you know, I know that's always kind of that way with analysts, but um, this year, it seems that that could be a realistic thing for NFL teams because look... If it's like this, if you're if they're in their evaluations and they're reading reading the scouting reports by scouts and they're starting to watch some of these guys themselves at this point, Shanahan and Lynch, I'm talking about, they're probably looking at this like, hey man, you know, we might like two or three of these guys that are still available, you know, and to the point that are those guys, and here's how much they have to like them, are those guys clearly better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, do we think that they are? much better than Jimmy. And if the answer is yes to that, and if that answer is yes to more than one guy, well, then I think it makes sense to move up, right? Jimmy has had some health issues. So even if it were just comparing them to Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterbacks, if you think they're a little bit better, that's one thing, but you have to think they're a little bit more, or at least likely to be a little bit more reliable from a health standpoint than what Jimmy has been over the last couple of years. So, you know, that's the other part of it. So anyways, let me, let me get on to uh, the whole point of this podcast, but I just wanted to discuss those things because I do think those, they are important. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. It's Mac Jones. I, look, man, when you watch Mac Jones play, and it's the last thing I'll, I'll end on this with this topic, but when you watch Mac Jones play, he's a really fine player, right? Like, I mean, he's a solid, solid player, certainly a fit in that offense. Certainly, you know, um, 
you know, had there's plenty to like about him, but he is not ever going to be Patrick Mahomes. He just is not ever going to be that. You know, he's not ever going to be that elite level quarterback. Trey Lance, especially you put him with Kyle Shanahan and these and these playmakers, uh, you know, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, and the running backs, and the offensive line. You put him in that situation, man. It's it's a lock. In my opinion, it's a absolute as close as you could get to a lock for success. And you know, I'm not going to jump straight to the Patrick Mahomes level player, but I will say you're getting somewhere around you're getting somewhere around Josh Allen, in my opinion, like in year two at worst. So, anyways, let's get into it, guys. Let's talk about Trey Lance. I'm going to go in order of my my quarterback rankings in, in terms of like these uh, team fits. Trey Lance, look, I think he would fit nicely with my Carolina Panthers. So, if the Mac Jones smoke is real and um, that's who the 49ers are trading up to three four, I'm totally fine with that because that gives me an opportunity for my Panthers to get Trey Lance. And again, sim- another reason why this fits for Carolina is because if you're Carolina and you want to let Teddy Bridgewater have one more season, right? You're like, hey, you know, we love Trey Lance, but he hasn't played. Like, let's not rush him into the NFL um, week one when he didn't even play last year, really, except for one game. Let's let him sit out, watch a true professional Teddy Bridgewater play for a year or at least for a few weeks or whatever, and then we'll work him onto the field where maybe slowly, like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, we'll slowly get him on the field here and there, and then all of a sudden we'll kind of unleash him onto the league. I think that makes a ton of sense. And Teddy Bridgewater, because a good amount of his base salary is guaranteed for 2021, it's likely for him to be on the roster, at least if they can't get any decent compensation for him. So in my opinion, if Trey Lance is there at eight, he's certainly a fit for the Carolina Panthers. I would be thrilled, as I mentioned, um, for us to get him. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, next. Oh, Next, the other fits for Trey Lance, obviously the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, like how much of a hypocrite would I be if I didn't even mention them in terms of a Trey Lance fit simply because he is a stud. And look, he is not necessarily the perfect fit in that offense, but with his kind of talent and an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, he is the perfect fit from the standpoint of like, if you wanted to just add a wrinkle or or a little bit of a, you know, modern-ish uh, sense feel to the Kyle Shanahan offense and kind of have a little bit of a hybrid in that regard, you know, um, built around Trey Lance's abilities. I think that makes a ton of sense for the San Francisco 49ers. I, I just think they would be so damn hard to stop, right? You, you're you going to still emphasize the run game because Shanahan believes in the run game, number one. Number two, Trey Lance is a guy that I realistically believe is going to have 800 plus rushing yards in one of his, you know, maybe multiple of his first couple of years. But like, I think he's going to have some 800 yard rushing seasons. I really do. So um, Trey Lance, in my opinion, is a, is definitely a fit in the San Francisco offense. And obviously still, a, is obviously also a fit in the Jets offense because those two schemes are very similar. You've got the LaFleur bro, brothers, the Shanahan's, all that stuff. So they're um, very similar from that standpoint. Zach Wilson, I think his best fits are the uh, the Jets and the 49ers. I mean, look, the very first time I ever watched Zach Wilson play, this is a few months ago, I recorded the podcast that same day, and I said, hey, this guy would be perfect in Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? And and he would. So, you know, that makes sense. And uh, and again, if he's, if he's a fit in the Shanahan offense, he's a fit for the Jets as well. So 
those are pretty much similar. And I think that as you know, he's also probably a fit for the Carolina Panthers as well. Zach Wilson's a fit almost anywhere because his skill set isn't reliant upon any one scheme. It's it's something that works everywhere. What do I mean by that? Well, it's elite level arm talent. You know, it's it's good mobility, good pocket presence, and he has the ability to read the field and things like that, manipulate the safeties. I mean, it, it's just a he can fit anywhere. So, um, but yes, Panthers, Jets, and and 49ers would all be fits. I mean, if you wanted to put him in Jacksonville, I'm sure he could find a way to make that work as well. Trevor Lawrence. So sorry to be cliche, man, but he's the perfect fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, it's that that Justin Fields offense that we watched him run with Urban Meyer. Um, or, you know, just that Ohio State kind of offense there in um, Jacksonville is going to fit Trevor perfectly. He's going to come in right away and feel comfortable, similar to what we saw from Kyler Murray right away in that Kingsbury offense as a rookie where, you know, yeah, the speed of the game and all that will still be an adjustment period for him. And the fact that you don't have that talent advantage every week over your opponents will still be there. But you're going to be comfortable. You're going to know kind of what you're trying to do offensively right away. And I think that's a that's definitely a good fit. Justin Fields, for me, is also a fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that's, you know, obviously his best fit because he, he's coming from, he knows kind of, uh, I'm not sure if he played much under Urban Meyer. I don't remember when Meyer was um, stepped down there, but the point is it was a similar offense, if nothing else, right? So Justin Fields obviously fits there. And I think that he also fits with the Carolina Panthers, man. I think that Justin Fields, I don't necessarily love his fit in San Francisco. I, I think that Trey Lance's fits a little bit better there. I think, again, Kyle Shanahan could make it work, of course, because he's Kyle Shanahan. He could do whatever he wants. But I think that Justin Fields would be maybe his best fit other than Jacksonville would be the Carolina Panthers. I think that that kind of uh, – look, the guy has a big arm, and he can make the throws at all levels of the field accurately when he has his feet right and things like that and when, he, when he's mechanically sound. So I think that he's the perfect fit in Carolina. Um, Mac Jones, last guy I'm going to talk about. man. So look, again – He's not as mobile as Zach Wilson, right? He doesn't have the arm talent Zach Wilson has. So he, he's not uh, – Zach Wilson, I think, to the 49ers would be the most ideal fit in this entire draft almost. Other, maybe even – I think – yeah, I think that would be even more so than Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville. I think Zach Wilson to San Francisco is a better fit. But anyways, Mac Jones to the 49ers – 49ers fans aren't going to like to hear this, but I think that's a really, really good fit as well. And the reason I believe that is because when you look at Mac Jones, right, you see um, he's very light on his feet, very, I'm not going to call him mobile, right, because that's been the whole knock on him, like, oh, he can't, he's not mobile by by the, you know, standard that we want to kind of label it today. But what he is, is very light on his feet, very nimble. He's very quick release, accurate, very hand-eye coordinated kid, right? He's very accurate of a passer. Um, he's a perfect fit in San Francisco's offense and the New York Jets, of course, as well, because they have the, basically the same offense. Very nimble feet in the pocket, quickly can process things. And um, I also like him in Carolina, but I, I prefer a bigger arm for the quarterback of the Panthers, meaning, you know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance would be perfect in Carolina. But um, I definitely think Mac Wilson would fit. He would be similar to what we saw with Bridgewater there in Carolina, where, he, where he's got enough arm, but it's not necessarily 
you know, the biggest arm, right? So it's it's not, but again, that's that was Joe Burrow in college too, and he was obviously the perfect fit there. It's all about more so than arm strength. It's about accuracy deep down the football field, which I think Mac Jones has, but it's not necessarily great. Um, it's not Trey Lance in my opinion. I think Trey Lance, and I know the analytics community will kill me because deep accuracy has not been a statistical um, strength for Trey Lance, but I do believe that he has it. Okay, I, I think, and I've showed this on my uh, on just one example, and I'll do more of these where Trey Lance throws the ball deep down the field and the guy drops it. I mean, I've seen just off the top of my head from film that I've watched, I can think of like three or four times on deep passes, like 30, 40 yards down the football field on go routes, right? Where he's hit the guy and the guy's dropped it or he's, or he's put it right in the bread basket and the guy bobbled it going out of bounds, you know, and things like that. So um, in that Panthers offense, I want to see some chunk plays being more like if you looked at T- Teddy Bridgewater when targeting DJ Moore, the efficiency, the passer rating last year was very low when you compare that to when he targeted Robbie Anderson. Is that because Robbie Anderson's always way more open than DJ Moore? No, it's not, in my opinion. It's because Robbie Anderson was the guy they were getting the ball too quickly, right? Scheming him. He was the short underneath guy and the yards after catch guy. And DJ Moore was more the deep down the football field guy. Like DJ Moore was averaging like 14 yards average depth of target. And Robbie Anderson was at like nine, you know? So it was roughly that, that area, but um, that's off the top of my head. But the point is that was the difference in role and, Teddy Bridgewater is not really a guy that's going to be super accurate like where Joe Burrow was the year before in college where he was putting it on Jamar Chase perfectly deep down the football field, you know, and and um, Justin Jefferson and those guys. So when you look at it like that, I'd like a bigger arm for the Panthers offense, particularly because I think, you know, it's just it's better for them to have that. But I do believe Mac Jones would fit there as well. But I like him most, believe it or not with the uh, 49ers of the Jets. So the interesting thing, guys, is, and it's something I was just thinking about right now, if Mac Jones doesn't get drafted at three, okay, so let's say it's Trey Lance goes to the 49ers at three. Now you've got, let's just say the, the Falcons and Bengals take a non-quarterback, right? Then at six, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles. Justin Fields is on the board, and Mac Jones is on the board. Can the Eagles, I think it's the Eagles, right? Or the Dolphins? Dolphins, 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 sorry. Can the Dolphins pass on Justin Fields and or Mac Jones in that situation? I mean, imagine if Trey Lance is there. If if Trey Lance is on the board at six and Miami's on the clock, that might have been why Miami traded back up to six. You think about it, like they know most likely, unless somebody trades up, Atlanta's not taking a quarterback, right? Now, could somebody trade up? Of course they could. But what does Miami do if they're on the clock and they have Trey Lance, uh, some combination of Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones available? You know, that's that's interesting to me because I think it's realistically possible. Um, maybe not likely, but definitely possible. When you look back at the, the Giants the year they drafted Daniel Jones, they were at six, I believe, and they felt and they hoped like hell that at six they could stay there and they could get Daniel Jones, and they were able to do that, right? And as soon as that happened, they, they immediately turned the card in. They were very happy. So, you know, when I look at that from the Dolphins' standpoint – they gave away a next year first, and I know they still profited and all that. I get that stuff, but they gave away a next year first. 
to move from 12 to 6. You know, that to me is very interesting. Now, could it be for Penny Sewell? Yeah, I guess. Or Rashawn Slater? Could it, or they know that they'll, they are likely to get the, you know, let's call it the third or fourth best non quarterback in the draft at that point. That makes sense. I mean, they do have 11 picks in the draft, I think most in this year's draft. So um, that makes sense. But the, or I'm sorry, I keep confusing them with the Eagles. But when you look at the Dolphins, has Tua done enough to withstand a potential Dolphins on the clock and Trey Lance, Justin Fields, you know, the Mac Jones, one of those guys on one of, if not all those guys on the clock, I mean, on the board right there, that's going to be interesting to see what, what that pans out. And, and um, my take on it is I think that the Dolphins will, I think they're going to stick with their guns and they're going to just build around Tua and try and put him in the best possible position to succeed this year. But I think that if Tua doesn't get better, it doesn't get considerably better where they're like, okay, wow, you know, going into year three, we're excited for year three, Tua. If it's not that, I think that they're definitely taking a guy the next year. So, and they, I believe, still will. I think they'll at least, they're at least going to have one first rounder the next year after, but I'm not sure if they'll, I think that their next, the additional first rounder that, that they got from San Francisco is something that they'll have in 2022. Wait. 2000, yeah, 2022 or 2023. I don't know. Yeah, the point is, okay, they gave away the 2022 first rounder that San Francisco initially gave them, but they also still have the 2023 first rounder San Francisco gave them. So they next year just have one first rounder. Anyways, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. And look, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm not opposed to taking a quarterback there and just telling Tua and whatever quarterback that I take, look, it's you guys you guys are going to decide who the quarterback is here. We're not trading anyone. Like we'll trade somebody after the 2021 season, after we see you guys both on the field and we make the decision, which guy we want. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a little bit old fashioned. And it's also at the same time, a little bit like new school in the sense that like, let's see what we got. Let's see which guy we want to roll with. And we'll do that from now on. So I don't think that's bad. I think it's a smart strategy, to be honest, because you just have to get the quarterback position right. And you might as well take a swing at the plate while you have some guys. If they have high grades on Justin Fields or whoever it is that's available at that spot, if they have very high grades on that guy, like let's say even higher grade than they had on Tua last year, I think you absolutely have to pull the trigger at that point. And again, you don't have to you know, just let those guys compete it out. Let them, let them see who wins the job in camp and, and if they can keep the job. So um, anyways, that's the end of this podcast, guys. I appreciate you for listening, and I will be back with another one later on. It's going to be running back rankings for this year's draft class. Peace.